Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to discover all of our previous episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter at irish underscore tech news and on Facebook at facebook.com slash irish tech news. Thanks and enjoy the listening. Hi. Uh, so today on the, on the Irish Tech News podcast, uh, we're continuing uh, one of our themes about looking at people involved in the tech for good uh, and basically uh, using it to achieve some positive and sustainable results. Uh, so I'm very pleased with who we have on today. So first of all, who do we have the pleasure of talking to today? Hi, my name is Bennett. It's great to be here, Simon. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, Bennett, who do, who do you work for uh, and w- what is your role? Yeah, sure. So I am part of the BMW Foundation in our Munich office in Germany, and I am involved in in two uh, programs at the foundation. One is the Respond Accelerator program, where we work with a number of entrepreneurs that uh, put impact and sustainability at the heart of what they're doing. And the other role that I have in the foundation is within the asset management, where we actively try to align our investments with ESG criteria and also impact criteria. Mm-hmm. So, so, so with those two things, um, like I mean, say with the, with the with the United Nations SDGs, there are seventeen. So, so with you guys in, inside BMW, how do you assess the companies that you look at to decide which ones are a good fit for achieving the goals within the parameters of what you're looking to achieve? Uh, how, how do you decide who's a good fit to work with? Sure, I'm happy to answer to that, but perhaps I, I would like to take a step back first and talk a little bit more about the BMW Foundation and, and what we've set out to do um, actually already 50 years ago, so quite some time um, before me joining the Foundation. Um, at the core of the BMW Foundation's mission, mission is to inspire responsive leadership. And what that means is that we actually find and identify people that do outstanding work towards achieving the SDGs that you mentioned globally, and onboard them to our network through um, very immersive, intensive three to four day leadership formats that um, take a lot of time to specifically work and discuss around leadership questions. What does it take to, what, sorry, what does it mean to take the responsibility? What does it mean to be a leader? All of these questions and the approach that we take to responsive leadership is really an acknowledging one. So we acknowledge the great work that people do uh, rather than being very prescriptive about what responsive leadership means. So what we ended up with now over the last 50 years is a network of um, almost 2,000 people globally that is super diverse, literally people from all walks of life. It could be politics, arts and culture. It could also be business and entrepreneurship. And we realized that the potential of that network in in nurturing the network um, is great in and of itself, but it's also a huge asset to leverage um, towards something that is perhaps more thematically driven and, and focusing on specific areas. And with that in mind, we started developing the Respond Accelerator program last year and uh, launched actually the first cohort of the program last year. And it's trying specifically what I've been describing. So it, it takes the mindset of responsive leadership into the startup community, that is number one. And number two, it leverages the network that we have at the BMW Foundation to support the entrepreneurs we work with, with all the kinds of you know network access, uh, expertise and resources that we have available um, from our group of people. And to answer your question, so the way we look 
at uh, at impact within the scope of the program we do indeed align as you've been mentioning with the un sustainable development goals as they work as a, a very brilliant framework to cover all of those you know very broad and different areas that we need to tackle going forward um and we 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 picked very specific targets and sub-targets within the SDGs to come up with last year's cohort. Um, these are, you know, ranging from SDG 8, that is covering more of the um, economic development aspects, uh, all the way to cities in, in SDG 11. Um, and for us, I think the core element really is that while impact can be super um, diverse and heading into many different directions, it always needs to be embedded at the very core of the startup's mission and at the very core of the startup's product or service. So what we ultimately want to see is that within the innovation of that startup, you can't simply take away the impact from the product they're delivering. And what that means in turns is um, once that startup starts to scale up and reach a broader audience and promotes a product to more people, it also means that the impact is growing uh, at the same rate, which ultimately for us means that the risk of mission drift, for example, or the risk of uh, running into uh, situations where sort of the impact is left behind um, and uh, profit is um, prioritized, for example, um, it can be system systematically avoided and, and taken care of. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so while the incubator is new, uh, the, the fact that you can draw on 50 years of of, of previous engagement with this kind of idea. Um, wh wh what are some successes and good examples uh, over those decades th that you guys use as a point of reference to help inform and educate other people of, of, the, of the successes that you have achieved? There is plenty, Simon, really. So um, we have a lot of examples um, of things that evolved sort of within the Responsible Leadership Network or um, things that we basically integrated into the responsible leadership network of ours um, and i can i can go through a number of them i think some of the most prominent um, mm -hmm. perhaps is uh, the b corp movement and specifically their latin america chapters is something that we've been working with very closely in the past um, there is also in germany the social entrepreneurship network for example that um, sort of was um, supported very early on by the bmw foundation the German chapter for um, the Global Steering Group for Impact Investments um, is also something that was born out of the BMW Foundation and our network. So there is literally um, very internationally, but also obviously a lot in Germany um, of these kinds of initiatives that we've been supporting um, systematically over the years. And when I say supporting, it's really at the foundation, we really describe ourselves as a network foundation. So it's really about the people. It is people-driven. We try to see the individual behind these great initiatives um, and support the individual in going through uh, with their mission. It's not about um, sort of that institutional support that you would see um, or expect from, from many other foundations. It's really about the network and bringing the right people together. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess okay. So that means that you have a, you have a great like uh, library almost of, of positive examples with with the current uh, incubator and accelerator. Um, what kind of projects have you taken on, and what kind of uh, problems or challenges are they looking to solve or engage with? Sure. So last year's cohort consisted of ten startups that we worked with that um, are all tech-based. So one of the core elements of the Respond Accelerator is that we do want to see impact, number one, we spoke about that. And number two is we do want to see tech solutions. 
Why? Because we believe that tech is just an incredible enabler to scale that impact fast and to reach um, a large group of people. And in last year's cohort, we had uh, 10 different startups um, from business to business models, uh, but also business to customer models and um, business to government models. And broadly, I think um, we had a startup, for example, working in the climate risk detection and mitigation areas, so working a lot with big data and AI to understand what is the carbon footprint of companies and how can, how can that be mitigated or reduced. We had a very innovative startup working in the new material space using um, sawmill waste, basically, to come up with a product that you can use for furniture or uh, fashion, for example, um, also peering into, into different areas at the moment um, that actually binds or captures more CO2 from the atmosphere in the production process than it, than it actually emits. So it's a carbon negative mm -hmm. material, which is super interesting. Cool. And we had a number of um, startups also on the waste management side, but also, so while these were more, let's say, on the resource and planet side, we also had on the social side of things, um, startups that provided, for example, access to healthcare solutions, um, access to drinking water. And um, that is also one of those elements that we think is, is super crucial. It's not just the, the environmental sustainability, but it's also the social and societal sustainability that plays a huge role. Yeah, and and I think it has to be integrated uh, because if you if you just have high level environmental solutions but that, that aren't incorporating, like you say, the social and the human, then then it doesn't work. It has to be uh, exactly. holistic. Exactly, yeah. Simon. That's that is exactly the way we see it. It's in the discussion nowadays. I think um, many people focus on sustainability, but in a very narrow definition that is um, that leans towards um, the environmental aspect of it too much. Um, and impact is oftentimes used for the more social uh, or societal aspects that um, still until today are a huge turnoff, for example, for investors, um, where they think, oh, no, we, we're not philanthropists, we can't do impact or social stuff. Um, so I think we need to work on a common terminology and a common understanding and language for what we actually mean by sustainability and impact. And uh, also underlined the fact that whatever you want to call it, impact, sustainability, whatever it is, it has a huge economic potential um, and also a huge financial upside potentially for investors to engage in the space. Yeah, look, very much so. I mean, because there's no point in having a thriving economy if you pollute the air and the water and, and everyone's health issues go through the ceiling. So yeah, it has to be a, a wider approach. Um, from your mentioning of the fact that BMW helped to develop the concept of b corps in the future uh could could bmw become a b corp like uh, are, are they kicking around that idea you know that is a very good question um and perhaps a a disclaimer that the bmw foundation is in fact very independent of bmw mm -hmm. group um so what i'm so just hypo I'm, hypothetically yeah or in your you know your your thoughts on it yeah, my my very personal thoughts are that yes, indeed, BMW is perhaps in an industry um, that is not necessarily known for you know great sustainability and um, moving um, moving the needle a lot in terms of conserving the environment. Just because the automotive industry in itself is is challenging and tricky the way it is set up at the moment. At the same time, I do believe that BMW um, specifically is one of those companies that is um, you know cutting edge and exploring different ways at least um, mm -hmm. and I'm acknowledging that 
uh, the speed could be perhaps a different one, but I'm also acknowledging that it's just a huge organization of 100,000 employees um, that takes a lot of time to shift. Now, but when I say this, for example, one of their cars, the i3 um, was, I think, one of the first electric vehicles that entered the market, and it, you know, they they um, designed it in a way so it would be completely vegan. Um, it was it would use um, totally new uh, elements for designing and structuring the car to make it energy efficient and fully electric. And I think they're they're trying to take those steps, but as from a more systemic perspective, the entire industry of automotive. Um, and mobility, uh, in fact, as a whole, is just super challenging and, and needs to go through a transformation that is very profound. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and and I guess we, you know, we, we know it's a dynamic space between, you know, what BMW are doing, Audi, Tesla, you know, people are looking at the wider impacts of what they do, so, because ideally the goal is to move from A to B. It's not specifically to, to you know, maintain diesel or petrol engines. So I think we still have there is still scope on that one um okay so 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 with 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 the year that it's been and the global pandemic uh, and the the question for you is how's that impacted on your working practices and how do you see it impacting going forwards have you guys changed the way you work and are you changing the way you work yeah definitely i think 2020 has been an extraordinary an extraordinary year for all of us and um, I think first and foremost, I feel um, grateful for you know overall the reaction that um, was shown internationally towards the pandemic and the way, the very positive way, bottom line that we've been able to deal with this pandemic and still continue to work towards the solution. So, um, that being said, I think last year, of course, has put us in front of uh, huge challenges in adapting. And, and when I say us, it's of course, BMW Foundation, but it's uh, literally everyone, as you know, Sam. I think um, you must have felt the same way. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I think the the last year has also shown how much. Well, first of all, it has shown how um, how sensitive and volatile our um, systems are, and that the perceived safety and security from these systems that we derive in many cases. Um, is not you know super resilient to these external shocks like we've experienced now um so that is one side of of the coin just the understanding for the volatility and uncertainty that after all is able to strike and is able to put things out of balance for us and on the other side um that whole pandemic has shown i think a huge potential for disruption and actually accelerated disruption in many industries Think about, for example, education or telemedicine. Um, think of the the event space um, now with new formats and and digital digitalized experiences. Um, I think all of this has gone undergone such tremendous shifts that um, really accelerated a transformation of of those industries, which is, I think, super exciting to see. And there's a lot of potential in there to now with the shift actually start build back better which is i think something that people have been saying a lot in in the last year mm -hmm. that from from the point we're at now basically uh, rock bottom we we can we have the opportunity to build back better into something that is more inclusive and more sustainable going forward for us at, at bmw foundation at the respond accelerator program specifically i mean of course we had to adapt our in-person program into something that was 
um, virtual in the first part, then sort of hybrid in the, the in the middle, and um, then with the last bit of the program, we actually managed to end up right between sort of the first wave of the pandemic in Germany and the second wave. So we were able to have some parts of the program um, run physically in Munich, which mm -hmm. which was great because. Um, I think the, one of the key elements of the Respond Accelerator program is that work on responsive leadership. So what we do is actually we reserve a lot of time within the scope of the program to work with the entrepreneurs on uh, leadership skills and reflecting about responsive leadership and take a lot of time for that. And these things are just so much easier and so much um, nicer to be done in person. So. Also looking into this year, I do still hope that with the kickoff of our program, uh, the second cohort now in June, um, we'll be able to run the program physically. Um, fingers crossed for that um, to be able to happen. And then I think a whole a whole another component to that entire pandemic hitting also us at the BMW Foundation is um, the the dynamic that we've observed on. Um, on the on the capital market, so uh, BMW Foundation obviously is um, has quite some wealth that wants to be invest invested in in capital markets. And what we've been observing there is that the attentiveness um, towards sustainability criteria in the investment process has just increased so much over the last year. When you look at, for example, statistics of how much capital actually was withdrawn from capital markets. Um, and traditional products, and at the same time, how much capital went into um, financial products that are aligned to ESG, so environmental, social, and governance criteria. Um, this is just outstanding. So in the US, for example, the inflows of capital into ESG products is at an all-time high. We've never seen um, higher numbers. And I think across the board, investors are just um, becoming aware of the challenge that uh, capital actually does play a huge role in, in the way we take, the, the route we take to go forward. Um, and sustainability is, and it will increasingly play a huge role in that discussion. Yeah, look, I think so. And I think it's been great with like BlackRock and Larry Fink. And then also uh, we interviewed uh, Adam Rain, who looks to leverage uh, one trillion of family private wealth into sustainable investments. So I, I think there's awareness and there's also, you know, uh, people at the top advocating for this. So I think that helps to realize that you should invest in this area because, you know, we have one planet. We can't build another planet tomorrow, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. And I, I do agree also that, for example, Larry Fink's letters um, to the to CEOs that he gives out um, annually are a great example of that institutional pressure that is building also on companies in order to align towards ESG criteria. And what you're saying with that private wealth and family wealth, this is really where we at, at the foundation have seen um, the greatest dynamic actually in, in um, being one step ahead of where sort of the mainstream finance opinion is going. So okay. um, those private wealth owners and family offices are really the ones, at least in Germany, um, that that try to be one step ahead of sort of this, the understanding of sustainability and impact that mainstream investors take. So as ESG moves up the ranks for traditional investors now, um, family offices and private wealth owners are increasingly stepping up um, towards impact investments and try to be more intentional and more strict about their definitions of impact, which is uh, really cool. And it shows that um, 
sort of the the personal commitment and the intergenerational shifts that is happening now from you know older parts of the family that used to generate the wealth over the last I don't know how many years now transitioning into younger generations it really shows that there is a shift in mindset that favors sustainability um, not necessarily over financial returns but it favors sustainability alongside financial returns yeah yeah definitely and it's not either or and it has to be a complementary approach exactly um, yeah so uh, you're you're in a position where you have to make important decisions about what you invest in and what you don't invest in so what are your sources of information how 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 do, how do you um keep yourself informed with with what are the relevant trends and i guess sources of inspiration as well uh, what are they for you sure um so i think there is not one single source of information that i use to to be informed i think um i I do enjoy reading um, the reports that some of the large um, banks or consulting companies put out. So, um, for example, UBS is doing um, interesting reports around the ESG um, theme and socially responsible investing theme. Mm -hmm. um, PwC is doing some great work along the lines of climate tech and where we are in investing in climate tech, also from a startup perspective, which naturally also speaks to my to my role as program director for the respond accelerator um so i do like these um, you know institutional approaches to to summarizing the information and showing showing where the industry stands that is definitely super helpful um i think in terms of inspiration i do get inspired really every day by the solutions that i see startups out there putting together to make this planet a, a better a fairer a more sustainable planet for all of us um, this is something that uh, just fills me with tremendous joy to see how um, these founders put so much energy and so much time and so much dedication into something that just, you know, it, it just speaks to a, a strong set of core values that those guys have and, and the mission that they're on. This is really cool to see. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think this is the great thing that that we're not having to wish that we could invent things that haven't been invented, that there's a lot of great solutions out there. It's just about localizing them and, you know, streamlining. But but there's some really good things out there, like you say. Um, before my last question for you, uh, on your bio, you do list that you uh, you're a surfer. So 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 yeah. either what what are or what were your favorite surfing locations? <laughs> That's I love that question, Simon. Thanks. Um, I am I am a Surfer, probably not a particularly good one, but I do uh, enjoy surfing uh, a lot, and I think um, a lot of my passion also for that sustainability and impact space comes from actually enjoying that ocean element in my life so much. Yeah, look, I mean, and surfers have been good. I mean, that surfers against sewage was a big movement in the U.S. and Cornwall a while ago. So, yeah, go on. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, as you know, in my bio, I've I've spent quite some time of my life uh, living in Portugal and I actually do still have parts of my family in Portugal that I try now in that situation it's a bit more tricky than than it used to be but I try to be very regularly in Portugal and some of the surf spots there particularly around the Ericeira um, areas on the west coast of the country um, are, are definitely some of my favorite surf spots. Now living in Munich I'm uh, nowadays calling myself a river surfer i don't know if you're aware that munich has two river okay. waves no i didn't or actually more but two in the city center <clears throat> that um, i used to surf on usually it's not the same um 
but it is as close as it gets, I think. Yeah, look, I mean, and in the UK, they have a thing called the Boar, which once a year sends a wave down a river near Bristol and you yeah. can surf it for like miles. So, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I, I think being in the water gives you, I mean, uh, Eastkey Britain is a, an, an Irish surfing champion, but she also has a PhD in, oh, I think, water. And so, you know, I think it helps her to connect with her science and her studies to, just to be out there in, in the water in the world. So uh, it makes sense what you do. There, there is actually awesome science around what what the ocean does to you when once you immerse yourself in the ocean and it um, it exceeds my sort of biological or biophysical understanding um, by large. But I I do believe that the ocean, at least for me, plays a critical role in 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 shaping my desire to contribute to something that is more sustainable going forward. Yeah, yeah, and I think it gives you a sense of perspective. I mean, and I mean, in Portugal, those waves—is it in Navarre that they're a hundred meters high? You know, the ones it's that in, in Nazare. Nazare. Yeah. I mean, it's Nazare. not quite a hundred meters. It's a hundred. It's a hundred feet, uh, which yeah, translates into like thirty meters ish. It's crazy to watch, though, isn't it's it? It's incredible, Simon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I prefer watching that than doing that one. Yeah, likewise, <laughs> likewise. Um, so look, it's been lovely to talk to you. How can people find out more about you and your work and what you're doing? Sure. So um, I'm on LinkedIn. So anyone looking to connect personally with me, please do reach out on LinkedIn. Bennett Barth is my name. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more about the BMW Foundation, I'd encourage you to go on our website. It's bmw-foundation.org. And for the Respond Accelerator program, we've actually just closed our application phase. So we'll be um, putting together the, the cohort of 10 startups coming up for this year in the next few weeks. Um, and you'll be able to follow all the news um, and all the highlights of our work at Respond on our website, for example, at www.respond-accelerator.com or also across social media on um, Respond Accelerator. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, uh, Bennett. Thanks for having me, Simon. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. You can sign up for more via our email digest, which does a weekly summary of all our podcasts, or you can follow us on your preferred podcasting platform of choice, or follow us on Twitter, Irish underscore Tech News, or Facebook, or LinkedIn, or the, or the website irishtechnews.ie. Uh, we will bring you more soon, and thanks for listening.